Red Zone, once again, it's time. Welcome to the part of Unpopular Opinion. Giving you some intellectual flavor. He is. Ursama Atra, Setup and Rob, Ramesu, Mary Ahmed, or Ram for the uninitiated. I am the plant based eater, <laughs> the mason jar drinking, natural beard wearing, brought to you legit to quit. Paris up when you have. Hey, that was lit, bro. Hey, bro. <laughs> you don't do it. I'm glad you did it. <laughs> I had to. Uh, episode six. We've come a long way. Yeah, man. Six of these things. I'm excited about the momentum that we've created, and I'm more excited to keep it going. Uh, so let's get into this thing. For sure. With that being said, first things first. All right, man, jumping into it. First things first, uh, I'm going to start. Cool. So, man, um, how do I say this? So, my first thing is I am so heartbroken by the fact that we as a people lack identity and that we are so willingly to conform Granted, I know the situation and I've once been in that space, but man, it's just hard to see constantly. I'm like always triggered by it. And it's just like, I don't know, it's almost like a sense of feeling hopeless in a sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been there. That, that despair uh, that, you know, things are the way they are and you can't see how it would actually change because of some of the conversations that you know you have and you just sort of get convinced that shit is always just going to be this way you know what I mean I know for me personally I'm speaking for myself that that's the, the despair that you described the hopelessness I've had that feeling as a result of that thing um, the conversation what was it yesterday or the day before about the n-word that we had in the chat um, I, I, I feel like I started off with that despair and sort of hopelessness. Uh, but I, I felt like a corner started to turn where at least people, uh, at least I felt like I was being heard, right? And later on, I was going to mention this uh, about, you know, attention. But I, I thought that the chat has been a place for some form of healthy dialogue in a lot of ways. And I feel like at the very least, uh, being heard helps that that feeling of hopelessness so you don't you, i don't feel as hopeless when i feel like people have at least heard what i have to say about a thing whatever that thing is right uh but to your point about like conforming i think it, that that's the easiest thing to do like when i when i first started learning and reading uh one of my mentors one of the critical things he said to me is that people take the path of least resistance man there's so much harder to stand on something and while everybody else is you know going the other way than it is to say no I, I believe in this thing I'm planting my flag I'm going to stick to this uh and and be contrary to what everybody else is doing it's hard to be the one who stands out it's hard to fly against the the wind so to speak but those birds who do are the strongest um and, and it's even harder when 
you're doing something that's right, right? Because you sort of step into a space where you have to combat this idea that you are trying to be something, whether that be like better than other people or like other people, right? Uh, so, so your ideal kind of gets conflated with this mess when, when it's not about that at all uh, a lot of times. So uh, I, I definitely feel that. Uh, one of my one of my Facebook memories today, uh, today my Facebook memory, I don't know if I'm from maybe four or five, six, seven years ago. Um, I, I, I wrote it as uh, something that had happened in my football game. I like dropped a pass or something and I've been thinking about it all day. Uh, and, I, and what I wrote was that I'm far from perfect but I'm a lot farther from ordinary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, and I, that, I was talking about as a football player. Like, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a 99 rated player by any means. But I damn sure ain't no, <laughs> I damn sure ain't no 73. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, so that that was the context. But it applied to uh, real life too, right? So uh, today I went through something at work, right? You know, I fucked up something that was simple, and I, you know, mad at myself. But I just sort of use that saying as a reminder. You know, we we all are. Uh, far from perfect and we all can be far from ordinary uh but i think that conformity is is the thing that makes us not ordinary uh, so our refusal to conform uh, is what sort of takes us to the next level and uh i stopped trying to be like everybody a long time ago and and i've seen my life change significantly as a result um but that goes significantly to having an identity that i believe in and that I can stand on, but not just me. I have people also uh, have similar beliefs and ideas, and so that I don't feel like a crazy person <laughs> when I have, you know, ideas that I stand on. So I don't, I don't feel as alienated anymore as I might have when I say it was in college or something. But even then, it was like a badge of honor to be different in the way of doing something that you considered like right or decent. Uh, like I don't smoke or drink, right? And in college, people are like. What you mean? Like, th- that's what we here to do. And you know, and 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 again, it, it's one of those things where people might look at you like you're trying to be, you, you're trying to look down on people or trying to dictate what sure. people should think or do. But no, it's not. It's like, uh, personally, in my own family, you know, I have a history of alcoholism, drug abuse. So it's probably best for me not to even start the habit because I'd be predisposed to being addicted, right? Yeah. Uh, but not only that. I think we could all agree that drinking less <laughs> and smoking less would be good things objectively, like just just in terms of health. Um, but again, I think all of that comes with um, a sense of identity, but more importantly, a sense of belonging to something. And I think that conformity is more of people feeling like they need to belong somewhere and, and, and again, back to that point of the path of least resistance, nine times out of 10 for us, uh, the, that belonging just ends up being to something that's not as good for us as we like for it to be. Feel me? Yeah. Definitely. It definitely put a lot into perspective. Um, but it goes into that whole quote, like, uh, stand for something, fall for anything. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you know, people just fall for anything, you know? Yeah. And it is kind of crazy, too, because it's like, um, I'm reading this book, Becoming Supernatural, because I'm trying to get back to my natural state. Mm-hmm. 
and you know just you talking about like not drinking not smoking like that's something that I chose to do also because I did heavily do it and I, I realized it really wasn't getting me anywhere but it's just like even when you come up out of that space and I can even say like even porn and masturbation like when you start the sensitizing your, yourself from the things that have you attached and trapped hmm. into the society you start gaining more clarity you start becoming one with yourself hmm. you know what i mean and it's like all the answers are within you you've just been jaded from the truth yeah you know so yeah it's just going through that whole uh that whole struggle of outsiders and just seeing shit and not being able to deal with it and i know you've been there because I was on the outside and you, you were in your, your your position and you know it's like crazy now how everything comes full circle and while we're in each other's lives, you know. Absolutely. But um yeah, I appreciate that. That, that kinda helped out. And uh yeah, so I got the first thing, man. What you got? Uh, for my first thing, uh, I'll go I guess even heavier than than we've been going. And uh, uh my, my first thing is about grief. And uh, the kind of weird space that grief puts you in. Um, the day after our last part dropped, I lost my mother. And I won't get into sort of, you know, how I grew up or how close me and my mom were, other than to say that we were close. Um, my mom had been sick for a long time, uh, but we still didn't expect, you know, when you, we didn't we didn't know when anything was going to happen. She had been dealing with a number of illnesses for a long time and she had been soldiering it out. So nobody really had an idea that it was going to be as soon as it, as it came. And sometimes I felt like she was gonna live for another 20 years. But uh, she finally did succumb to uh, a bout with pneumonia that was unsurvivable for somebody in her, her condition. She had, you know, uh, COPD, she had emphysema, she had asthma, and my mother smoked for nearly all life, you know, so she had a lot of, a lot of health issues. But uh, the, the bit about grief, man, is it's, it's weird, and I don't want to say hard, but weird, and, and a, a bit of a, an emotional challenge to um, find the right space for, for grief in your daily course of feeling. You know what I mean? Uh, a part of me kind of feels guilty for, for like laughing and smiling sometimes. A part of me feels guilty for participating in things uh, like like the Madden League, you know, sometimes. Like I should be I should be somewhere crying about my mom. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I do think that sort of soldiering on in a way where you don't put anything on hold, where you, you know, you, you keep putting one foot in front of the other keep working through but while still acknowledging how you feel about you know lo loss and losing somebody close and important to you um it's sort of cathartic in a way to say you know that that life isn't over because you lost this person while recognizing their importance to you um you know uh, there's a, a show my wife and i watch called uh, black love and one of the most recent episodes was specifically dedicated to a couple who uh, had lost a child, a uh, baby, as the baby was born. So they, you know, wanted a child for a very long time. And the wife, you know, they finally got pregnant together and carried the baby for 41 weeks, birthed the baby, and then the baby didn't make it. Uh, one, of the most, one of the most powerful things that I, I heard out of that episode was that, you know, grief is love. 
and and the feelings that you feel as a result of it are you know, perfectly natural and and find and trying to or struggling to find a space for them is also a sort of natural process um, and, and you lean on the people who love you for, for their support in times like this and and it's okay to, to smile and joke and laugh and participate in life right even as you as you do grieve but it is uh, it's still weird you know people calling and checking on you and uh, you know, offering condolences in ways, and and it's always, always, always appreciated, and people actually know how you're doing. And I mean, and at first I was saying like I'm okay, uh, and then I realized like I'll never be okay again. Like, okay right. won't be a thing for me ever again. Like I'm functioning is what I started to say after that. It's like I I can I can keep moving, I can live, I'll keep going, but like. I'll never be the same me anymore. Like there have been numerous times where completely subconsciously I've thought to try to call or text my mother about a thing. And then I immediately realize that she's no longer available to me. Not in the, not in this realm, you know what I mean? Um, so uh, I, I did struggle with whether or not I was going to have this as my first thing today, uh, just because the attention that sort of comes with this thing is, you know, not my, my thing. And I'm not doing it for uh, the, the reach outs or the condolences or what have you. I am doing it to say that if anybody else is going through a thing like I am going through, like grief or, you know, struggle, difficulty, that it's OK to feel however you feel. Uh, and to say that hopefully me sharing uh, my sort of weird feelings about grief sort of help you through your time when it comes. Uh, so that's it for me and my first thing. And, uh, I, I do hope that it, it helps somebody at some point. Yeah, man. <clears throat> that's a, so from my perspective of it, being on the outside, I understand where you're coming from, and it's kind of hard to reach out in those moments because it's just like, as much as I can be like, you know, I'm here for you, like, how are you? Like, I know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. in the back of my mind, like, I know, and just like a part of me feels like insensitive because it's like, like you know, you know, you know, it's, it's not the same, you right. know what I mean? So it's like, but you're conditioned to speak on that, right? right? And I just think for me, like, and this is kind of crazy, like how everything has happened this year, because I feel like for me, because, you know, I'm big into like, you know, uh, astrology, mm -hmm. right? And Mercury retrograde, and when Mercury goes retrograde, it goes back, right? So it kind of puts you, whatever your sign is, it kind of puts you in a space of this is what you need to identify with, right? So for mine, personally, it was more so about death, mm. right? because I feel like I've been in a position where I've been trying to understand death mm. and it started with Kobe passing okay. right then Mr. Greg passed right and then now your mm. mom right and it's just like the way that I look at it now to, compared to before in a way just like how society has taught us how to deal with it it's kind of put me in a perspective of why is death such a bad right. thing you right. know what i mean like i feel like death 
is beautiful. Like death is ascension. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it's more so of the attachments that we get upset about because they're not physically exactly. here, but it's just like your person is ascending to your creator. Why wouldn't you want that? Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's just like looking at that and just being like, you know, that they're okay. It makes me want to do work to then tap into talking to them even though they're right. not here. Right. You but know connecting what I mean? with them on a, a spiritual level. Yeah. For sure. No, I 100% agree uh, about the ascension thing. Like my mom, and you know, obviously I've been thinking about her for the better part of, uh, well, for more than, well, for a better part of a month now. She passed on the 8th of October. And um, a large part of me, and I've said this to my wife and maybe a few other people, but uh, there was nothing missing between my mom and I. So like, I don't, I don't feel like, like I don't have closure or anything like that. And in fact, I've said this also, I feel like uh, this is the least final death has ever felt for me. Like I feel like my mom's presence is still around. Uh, and I think that goes to the point that you make about about spiritual connection and then further about it being ascension. Like my mother was suffering for a long time with the illnesses that she had. And now I know that she doesn't have to suffer anymore, right? That that's relief in a way for me and her. Like I don't I don't have to watch her be in pain anymore. I don't have to watch her struggle anymore. Um, but to the other point that you made about sort of our own selfishness and wanting to keep them here is what makes death in this society so devastating is that we're selfish about it. We want them to be around for us, right? Um, one of my mentors says, you know, uh, death is a robe we all have to wear. Like, we don't get to escape it and we got to find a way to make peace with it. And uh, definitely doing my best to make peace with it. And I, and I am... Uh, and I, I will say that I am at peace, right? It's just that you just think about what what could be or what could have been. Uh, I, I've sure. stated again to numerous families how proud I am that she got to see all my children be born and that all of them got to meet and know her on some level. Now, obviously, the baby boy, he, he won't have too many memories of her, but we have pictures with her and him. And, you know, he'll grow up with some memory of his grandmother. And, and those things are comforting. Uh, but but definitely we're, we're raised it, this society is um, steep into the selfishness of loss when somebody transitions and and dealing with that is is definitely a difficult thing and then changing the idea of what death means is also something that you you sort of struggle with so I, I take your points uh, perfectly I completely agree with I'm proud of how you uh, you know handling the situation and uh, I love, love you back bro. appreciate it so you got I, I can't have no more <laughs> I'm, I'm crying <laughs> on the pod man. it's all good but, uh, that's a healthy that's, yeah that's a healthy release man yeah, that's a healthy yeah. release that's what this is about yes yeah, sir alright it's time to get your popcorn ready Get your popcorn ready. Got any popcorn you want to talk about? Yeah, man. Uh, I tweeted about this today from Bomani Jones' account. Um, but but I'm excited about the Falcons, Bears, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Bengals. 
my popcorn is we we got some healthy two and one three and oh starts here and i'm wondering i guess league-wide and, and from your perspective do you think any of these guys well first i'll go with whether or not i think any of these guys can uh sort of keep it up and do you do you think any of these guys can actually make a run uh, and so I'll start uh, the Falcons, Bears, Chiefs, and Cowboys are all still undefeated, I believe, while the Bengals recently lost, I believe, in week three. Uh, I think the Falcons have a really tough go, but with the NFC West teams, the Seahawks, the Niners having sort of taken a step back, the Falcons already beat the Niners. Uh, he still has myself and Jim and the Seahawks. And then he plays the, I don't know which AFC division he plays, or they play rather, hold on. Um, but with that NFC sort of uh, track ahead of him, along with obviously the self that he has to play, I could see it being sort of gritty for him, but preparing him for a, a playoff run. And they play the AFC North, which I think is also good for them. So I could see the Falcons getting into the playoffs. I don't know if I could see the Falcons making it deeply into the playoffs. But uh, Jake made this point on his pod, uh, his blog, yes, or I guess late, late last night. Uh, that the top teams in the NFC have all sort of taken a step back, whether it be because of roster or, well, no, it's all been because of roster. <laughs> look at the Niners. Well, I guess Cat is the exception to the roster thing. Uh, but you look at the Niners, the Eagles, and the Bucks, who have all had major transitions at QB. Uh, and, and there's a real opportunity here at the top of the NFC. And, and maybe the Falcons, if they can keep it up, can actually step in. I, I feel less strongly about the Bears and the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, with their schedule, having to beat Weed and uh, Adele consistently, I think will be tough for White Gray. Um, but if he can, say, go 4-2 and two in the division this year, I think he'll have a decent shot at least getting into the playoffs. And then with that, with the run game, you know, with Zeke back, whenever he comes back with the run game, I think he has a chance to win a game or two in the playoffs if he can get in, if he can go, say, four and two in the division. Uh, we'll see. The Bears, I'm less convinced about. Um, but I, but I, I do believe that Beat has taken a major step forward just in terms of caring about the game, number one. And I think that translates into a better record just on the baseline. Not to mention that it seems like Manz is playing a couple of games for <laughs> Nah, I'll beat him joking. But but I think his his engagement, his investment in the game is is more than it has been, I'll say, in, in past years. Um, and I think he has a chance. If he can split with lefty, I think the Bears will make the playoffs. Um, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are 3-0. Patrick Mahomes just completed 100% of his passes in the game and threw four touchdowns against the 49ers. That is impressive. My concern with Spitter is, is just that he just seems to check out and just like play his games but not really be in into them. Like he just has other things that are more important to him, which is perfectly okay. I just don't know that a 3-0 start means a strong finish for him. 
uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, I will go out on this limb right now and say that Cincinnati is going to win the AFC North this year. Mm. So that's what I got for the five, for the new, uh, for rather the this cycle historically bad teams who are currently in the top ten power ranking. Give me what you got for those. That was spicy. <laughs> um, but I think out of all of them, since we're going, we have a few in the AFC and the NFC, I can see the Bears just because of the defense. I can see him splitting with lefty. I've, I've caught it one time. Like, he's been, what, 500 the past two seasons so far? I can I can fact check that. I think you're right. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he went 8-8 eight and eight this most recent season. I don't know what his record was the season before, but give me one second. Pulling up the leagues of daddy. In 2021, the Bears went... Seven and nine. Okay. And in 2020, the Bears went eight and eight. So they're right on the cusp. Yeah, he's big. Yeah. He's big. You know what's funny? You, you saying uh, that about Daddy Lee's. My daughter was like, Do you think some dads made the league? <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. We had to look into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know why, man. Well, I do know why. Maybe because, you know, man's is definitely, I mean, beat. <laughs> see how I did that? <laughs> I got the perfect gift for that, too. Like, it's a Tom Cruise gift taken off a match. Mm. <laughs> and I was going to post it in the chat, but back on track. Um, I like, I like, for some reason, I like Chicago, man. I feel like they got a, a their, their schedule's probably a little bit, you know, less tougher than the, the rest of them. Um, I like, I don't know, bro. That, that, uh, Kansas City. I want to say Kansas City, but it's just like, you got Ian Johns, you still got Aston, and then you got, like, you got the AFC South, where, you know, you, you don't know how many guys are going to get in, you know, so it's kind of hard to predict, and we played them this year, so... Man, and then the NFC North with Cincy. I know, I know, Blue got a chip on his shoulder right now. Yeah. Um, but it is up for grabs. Um, was it King John? He's kind of struggling right now with Pittsburgh. He's kind of taking a step back. Prue, was the playoffs big enough for him? Like, I don't know. I mean, you might be right. It's, it definitely probably is between Cincy and Baltimore. Um, so we'll have to look into it. Maybe, hopefully, Andy head doesn't get too big. You know what happens when you do that. <laughs> Man, my head got big. I went 8-0, and and then I lost. And I was like, oh, I'm about to get out the playoffs. Nah. It get like that. Um, but that, that 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 rolls into a Super Bowl run. I think starting 8-0 the way you did, you had a taste of success. And then being humble sort of before the playoffs sort of helps you to refocus when the playoffs come, in my opinion. Everybody ain't built like that. Right. It's about the rebound after the, the eight and no and you start losing. I mean, if you can do that. Like King John wasn't able to to flip the switch back after he started eight and no and then started losing. Nice. He couldn't he couldn't re flip it. Thanks. And then you said Kelly. I can see Kelly. He invested a lot of money in free agency. Defense is tight. He's kind of designing his team to like his liking, mm-hmm. you know. 
And I only know that because, you know, I took over his team before and it's like looking at his roster now. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. He's building the team the exact same way. So I can see a little bit of comfort coming in for him. Um, And then, yeah, like in that division, like Toph is taking a step back. He doesn't have Brady anymore. And then you have Malik, who's he's he's right there, you know. So the NFC is definitely up for grabs. I can see Kelly doing it. Yeah. Um, So right now, it's Kelly at 3-0, and then the rest of the the NFC North is all 1-2. Yeah, so those division games are going are definitely yeah. going to matter. Yeah, I think Kelly was—I won't say tanking necessarily, but I don't think he was playing up to his potential <laughs> at sure. this point. I think he was trying to, like you said, get his team in order. Um, but I don't think he was as bad on the sticks as his record reflected. And I think we'll see we'll we'll see him uh, have a better season this year, which we already do. It's a three and zero for sure. So yeah, he definitely. I can see him definitely taking uh going the furthest because he yeah, has the best chance to win his division. Um, so that's my NFC. I'm gonna say Kelly. Kelly will probably be there. And for the AFC, spit of talking to me now. So I'm gonna say he's gonna he's gonna probably get into uh, he's gonna get into the playoffs. All right. Are there any other teams that have not made the playoffs yet this cycle? that you think will this season? Mm. And maybe make a Pat-like run to win the Super Bowl. Man, I ain't even talking about White Greg. What if it's White Greg? White Greg. <laughs> That'd be wild. But I don't know, like, to make a Pat-like run? And well, I'll leave that part out because uh, Pat has been sort of under the radar but pretty good for a while now. And, and nobody actually thought that he'd win the Super Bowl. But he hasn't been terrible. But White Greg, on the other hand, has, I still don't think he's made the playoffs in red zone yet. So it's a little bit different to say White Greg. But and I think we'd be discrediting discrediting Pat a little bit. And I don't want to do that necessarily. But let's say a team that has not made the playoffs this cycle that that makes it this season without the Pat run part. All right, can you give me some teams? I can't remember at the top of my teams head. that have not made the playoffs this cycle. We'll yeah. start in the AFC East. I think uh, Glenn has not made the playoffs. I think the other three have. And the uh-huh. AFC, I said AFC South already. That was the AFC East, excuse me. In the AFC South, only Meadow has not made the playoffs yet. He, he's made it. I played. Play, you played him in the first round of playoffs last year? Yeah. Oh, okay. So everybody in the AFC South has made the playoffs. You sure, bro? <laughs> yeah. That was a playoff game. Remember- yeah, when we we played week seventeen, he, he uh oh, yeah, contained yeah, yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry. Right, you're right, you're right. Then I played him in the wild card, <laughs> and, and he thought shit was sweet. Uh, don't, yeah, don't, yeah, he did. Don't, don't like my my yeah, my bad. We uh, play out. Uh, uh, my man. bad, my bad. <laughs> that, that's a notching y'all's belt for for best division so far. In the West, um, Tico made the playoffs in year one. He lost to uh, Moji, right? And so Spitter, only Spitter hasn't made the playoffs in the West. So Ian John, Ian John hasn't made it either. Ian made the playoffs. I just remember him and Pru, him and Prue, like he made it an eight and eight some shit. It was a tie with him, Prue, and uh, JP, and he ended up getting in. I think he got smacked by Ass in the first round, some shit like that, if I remember correctly. I don't think he got. I'm in. pretty sure he was the one that got in an eight and eight out of that nasty tie that they had at the end of the first season. Maybe I missed it. I'm sorry, Ian John. <laughs> 
I got him next, so he's about to give me the score. Hey, he just beat the dog shit out of King John, bro. I took King John the sports book this week. He beat him 45-3. Yeah, I watched that oh, game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Scout. Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> All right, so that's the AFC. We got Glenn and... No, that's not the whole AFC. Uh, so right now, we are at Glenn Spitter. We have Andy and King John. Glenn Spitter, Andy, King John. The only ones in the AFC who have not made the playoffs through two seasons. You sticking the spitter there? <sighs> nah. I can ah, that's so tough. Nah. I'm gonna go Andy. I feel like that's safer. Yeah. Yeah, that's safer. That's interesting. Because he has a chance. Double spicy. I, I think that's spicy. Saying that Andy is a safer pick to make the playoffs than Spitter right now. I think that's spicy. All right. Yeah, I don't like the division. Right. I don't like the division for Spitter. I got I'm you. Sorry. And let's look at the AFC, the NFC. In the NFC East, the Cowboys and Giants are the only teams that have not made the playoffs in the NFC East. In the South, the Falcons and the did the Panthers make the playoffs last year? No, nope. They almost. They didn't. Uh, right, so the only team in the NFC South that has made the playoffs is tough. Tough. Tough a bit. So Kelly, Malik, Spence, and the NFC North, the only team that made the playoffs. <laughs> God damn. We Bro. <laughs> And, and then the, the the West, the only team that hasn't made the playoffs is Jim. So basically, we're saying between Jim, Malik, Kelly, White, Greg, I think are the actual content. Oh, and 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 beat. Uh, because I, who knows what's going on with our Fox? I mean, one week the guy looks like he's a, like ready to turn the corner, and the next week he's getting smacked. So I don't I don't know what it is. Uh, has, I don't think Eichem's won more than two games this cycle so far. Uh, I don't think Beach has won more than four games this cycle so far. So considering, I mean, we'll, we'll leave them on the ballot, so to speak, in, in the spirit mm-hmm. of the election. <laughs> leave them on the ballot. But which one of these guys do you think has a chance to, to actually make a leap and get into the playoffs? Ah, that's tough. So I'm going to definitely go towards the NFC South. And it's definitely going to be out of Malik and Kelly. Uh, I feel maybe I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it to Malik. I feel Malik probably a little more comfortable with his squad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was almost there last year. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Malik. I'm gonna say Malik, Malik and Andy, Malik and Andy. Bet. But hold on, I got some popcorn. I said no. That, go, that's though, my popcorn. You what you got for popcorn? Hey, no, no. But to get into yours before we get All into right. mine. I was thinking about you said R Fox. I'm like, yo, how's it feel knowing that you lost to a 17 year old? Hey man, <laughs> I'm old now, so you know, these young bucks, they they be having it on the sticks, man. Facts. He almost got on my ass too. I was like, damn, almost, almost. I will say out. my feelings are a little more hurt now, seeing how. I, I mean, I thought he'd be way more competitive after that game last cycle, last season. Um, but seeing that he hasn't been competitive at all, again, another part of me felt like he was tanking to try and get the team to where he thought it would be. I still think he is. Uh, considering the, the picks that he's made, I think he's doing a hell of a job with GM and the team if he is tanking. Uh, but now, I think he's got the team where, where it needs to be. He's gotten what, D. Ford and Eric Armstead from the 49ers. Uh, he's drafted a... a, a <laughs> 
a generational talent at running back. He got a really good quarterback last uh, draft, and I think two good receivers last draft. So, I mean, the time is is quickly coming for the young man, and uh, we'll, we'll see if he can put his best foot forward here soon. But it's early. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it early too. It's three, but each game matters. But I, I definitely right. take the point that you know. Say if, if Spitter was, you know, four and eight and then he won three straight, we wouldn't be looking at him like, oh, Spitter's back. You know, so winning three at the beginning is more, you know, alarming than in the middle of the season you already lose. So it's about stacking wins, as John Harbaugh always says. Uh, winning a game is only important if you win the next one. So stacking them is the most important thing. So we'll, we'll see which one of these guys can put it together and keep it together and stack a few. Facts. I'm I'm still a little heated too about Jay comments about me being a worse decision maker too. A worse decision maker. You want to talk about some popcorn? He said I was the worst decision maker in the division. Uh, was that was on the podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Coming for that. <laughs> Fuck that. We, well, we got some I mean, popcorn. if the worst decision maker in the division made it to the Super Bowl, I mean, then I, God damn, I'm I'm really doing something wrong. Yeah, he put he, he let a fire in my ass. <laughs> him and then Pat one of the yeah. Super Bowl. All right, that's a little bit of popcorn but, um, there. For sure, my uh, my popcorn man. How's it feel being an MVP? Oh, it's lit. I think this is my second MVP in red zone. I don't believe I won it with Saquon Barkley. I can't remember, but I definitely won it with Max Ballard, and that was dope. Um, it does feel a little hollow, a little bit empty to be the MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, like all of these awards. But not, I feel like the Ravens last year, you know what I mean, in real life. You go out, you win all these games, win all these awards, and fall short. And the divisional round, you feel like you laid an egg. And it's almost exactly like you know that story. It's exactly how I feel right now, just empty. Uh, but very proud to have gone out and won the MVP with Kyler. And I will say, I wasn't even thinking about the award until like the last quarter of the season. I was like, well, I actually got a shot at this. You know, so, I mean, the whole time I was doing everything within my offense. I had a plan to be more aggressive in general, from pushing the ball down the field. I felt like in the first season, I, I handcuffed my team and myself by relying so heavily on the run. While it was, I mean, I went, what, 13-3, and three and I was a good team. I felt like I needed to be able to throw the ball whenever I wanted to in order for me to be the team that I, I really needed to try and be to take the next step and go win the Super Bowl. So my, my idea for the season was to become dominant with Kyler Murray, uh, and I was glad that I was able to actually see that through and do it uh, when I did, but still fell short. So the the I feel like the missing piece uh, was or is, and this is beyond the MVP question, obviously, <laughs> but the missing piece was uh, a real pass rush that could speed guys up. So I think I had the guys on the back end for a while now. And while I still have Patrick Peterson be serviceable, I wanted to try and get him a pass rush that matches. So getting Von Miller, getting Brandon Graham, getting Matt Judon healthy, um, having those horses up front when it's third and 12 now, hopefully getting after the quarterback. I think through three games right now, 
or I'm too, I only play two. So through two games at the moment, my defense is number one in yards allowed. So we'll see if we can hold that up, but hopefully we can go from MVP to Super Bowl MVP because that's, that's the goal. But it is cool to have guys vote for your player. I do feel like I, I planted a seed a little bit <laughs> in the chat and, and people just sort of stuck with it. And I don't want to say I stole the award, but <laughs> I think Kyler Murray was deserving with the season that he had. You know, throwing 40 touchdowns, I think I ran for another five or six. Uh, I, I think he was uh, very valuable. So cool to win it, but I mean, you know the feeling. <laughs> I was about, and that was gonna be my next thing. How how cool is it that back, the Rams back, fans back yes, to back and, and back to back offense play of the year? Right? But, yeah, yeah, but like you said, fuck that. Cool, that's, that's what we're here to do. So cool that we won that award. Sure. Gracious, or rather grateful, but we got we got. She fuck with small town brothers. We got bigger dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get it. Facts. Hey, with that, I'll see you in the Super Bowl, man. I'm trying to hey, to like LeVar Ball say, speak it into existence. So we shout out mm-hmm. to Corey uh, for, for predicting that Ram Fan Bowl. And uh, it, it'd be nice to, to get that done and do it multiple times even. I, I think they have the same, I for say sure. they, I think him and Kelly have the same uh, aspiration. And so we can uh, we can duel it out. I think the two of them right now both three and zero. I think you're three and zero already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's my job to get to three and zero tonight. And, uh, we can see if these two uh, these two factions, these two tag team factions. You know, we like to talk in wrestling terms of red zone. If we can we can duke it out throughout. It'd be dope if you know you met Aston in the AFC Championship. I met Kelly in the MC Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that would be a cool storyline. Uh, way for so, sure. Let's see if we can make that happen. Let's get it. That's all that's I all got. got. Single popcorn. I think that's yeah, for on. sure. For sure. All right. Go talk. All right. Now we got go talk. What you got for go talk? I'm. I'm gonna take the layup, bro. Uh, Pat. Pat got owner of the year. He won the Super Bowl. Uh, there was a little bit of chatter about how sort of Pat got it. Like people were surprised that it was Pat, but when you think about how much he's actually done for the the league over these last two seasons, especially and, and overall, but look at the you know the podcast is obviously as you know something he's consistently done. Uh, the sports book and and keeping up with that and paying out real money that's an amazing addition to the league. Uh, and then you look at the fact that he's gone on and won a Super Bowl with the rookie quarterback that he drafted, and I think third round. Uh, I think that's all worthy of praise. Uh, so shout out to, to Pat the layup goat for me this month. What you got? Man, I'm mad he took Archer, bro. You know how bad I wanted him too. Ooh wee. Yeah, but that's another story. But um, yeah, my goat, and I, I feel bad, right? Because I should have did this on the last part when we talked about my Super Bowl run. I gotta give it to my kids, man. Mm. Before the cycle started, my kids brought me these really cool socks, and they like some gaming socks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, quiet, don't disturb. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to wear these socks every game that I play. <laughs> <laughs> and I got them more now as I'm talking, but 
you know, shout out to my kids, man. They got me some game and socks because they know they know how it is with me. You know, you got the lucky charm. Yeah, 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 bro. And these was my 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 gems that got me to the Super Bowl, and I didn't wear them joints last year. Nah, that's the joints is back on, baby. Got it, got it. Back on. Shout out to my babies. Give it to my babies. Shout out to Lil Washington. But yeah. So you got for go talk? That's a quick go talk. I mean, we can talk about Colin Burry all day. You want to do that? Talk about who? You said Colin Henry. <laughs> K one baby. Nah. Out. Out. <laughs> so I guess we can go into attention. Let's get it. This needs attention. This needs attention. You want to go? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have anything particularly prepared, uh, but I will say, uh, I guess I'll, I'll address two things that I think need attention. One, playbooks. Uh, I just thought about this right before we started the segment. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of talk since the beginning of the cycle about how we should be handling playbooks. Um, I do think the issue of playbooks in general needs attention. I don't know what the actual answer is. I've sort of anecdotally offered certain things in the chat and I guess I'll elaborate on one that I think could be good. I think either you, A, play with your team's book, which would be simple. You just play with your team's book. the exceptions to playing with your team's book would be in the case that you don't have the quarterback that you started the cycle with. So you can switch playbooks only if uh, you drafted a new quarterback or signed a guy in free agency, not if your starting quarterback got hurt, right? So otherwise, you got to use your team's book. But when you draft a new guy, you get to switch to a different book. Um, However, Using a different book would mean essentially you have to use one of the generic books. So you either get your team's book or a generic book, but you don't get to switch different teams, different playbooks every other week like everybody's doing. I think uh, I actually think it is to people's detriment for the most part. I think so much of uh, situational play calling has to do with comfort level with a certain call or scheme that you like. I know it does for me. Um, and by now, I've run you know the same plays a thousand times in certain situations. So I know that Cad and Ernest and Jim know what to expect. And anybody who's watched a stream of mine, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. That's uh, perfectly fine. I just have to find a way to try and... I mean, it's the same way in the NFL, which is the point. Um, I just have to try and find a way to dress things up to make things look different or to throw in a wrinkle, right? That, that, that mm-hmm. would be the thing. Uh, but playing, say, a division mate who uses the Tennessee playbook one week uh, and then the, the 49ers playbook another week, I mean, that's not sin. And I guess that's that's the argument. And the other, th- the other argument for, like, why playbooks need attention is that, you know, while there are few sort of trees of schemes in the NFL, most teams don't have the same playbook. And I think Aston posted the graphic, it's like 56% of the teams in the league are using some variation of the same playbook, right? So there's not a lot of variety, whereas we should have, you know, sort of full and complete variety with all the different styles and quarterbacks that we have. Those should match the, uh, not just quarterbacks, but the, the, uh, 
uh, skilled guys that are around those quarterbacks. It just feels like we should have more variety and diversity in uh, and, and playbooks. I'm tired of seeing Green Bay, New England, Oakland. Not Oakland, excuse me, Las Vegas. Like, but to the extent that, say, using the same playbook would be allowed if we make that the generic versions of those plays. You know, they have the running gun, they have spread, they have run heavy, pass heavy, whatever they are. Like, you have to use one of those if you don't want to use your team's book. That would be my sort of solution. Uh, and then the other thing, and this is less about the video game, more about the, the league in general, that I think needs attention is that um, a shout out to Red Zone. Again, I think we had another instance of um, healthy dialogue. Uh, the other day we were talking about the N-word. We mentioned this in the beginning. Uh, the other day we were talking about the N-word. And I think that ended up in being, a, again, a healthy dialogue. Uh, but even before that, when, when Adele had posted these suspensions for uh, carries and touchdowns, it led to a discussion, mostly between Jake and Adele, um, where both parties were amenable to hearing what the other had to say. And ultimately, I think the league was better for it. Uh, Adele modified the rules regarding, you know, suspensions and the like for uh, touchdown violations. So now we just get dev reversals, which I think is more in line with what we, what what the rule is for. We don't want people cheesing to get devs. Uh, which is why there were there are punishments for, you know, touchdown disparities. But I think dev reversals is more appropriate than suspending a guy for for eight games. Whereas the carry distribution, that's a thing where, you know, limiting the opportunity or rather overfeeding a guy is clearly more harmful than um, having one guy have 10 more touchdowns than the other. So those are my things that need attention. I think Red Zone deserves another pat on the back for a healthy dialogue. And let's do something about playbooks. My idea doesn't have to be adopted. I just want people to think more about what we could do. I have seen a couple of ideas, but uh, a few more ideas would be good. I think we can help make the league better in that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, to give a little two cents on that, it kind of made me think about, like uh, like they said, like, uh, when you pick your team, also pick, uh, you know, coach, like the coach playbook, like a coordinator, offensive, defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. along with your team selection. Um, but then it's like crazy, too, because it's like you say, if you don't use your team's book, you use a stock book. But what if it's a bunch of teams that don't want to use... You know, they don't want to use their team's book and then they end up using the same stock books. I mean, the same generic books. Yeah, I I, I think that's better than for, I guess I want to say for some purposes, I feel like that would be better than everybody using the same team book. I think the, I haven't actually looked at the, the generic books, but I think it's more realistic that offensive coordinators let's say run a west coast offense right and so you have the base generic west coast book which i think is i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with i think that's a better option than having 10 teams or five teams run the green bay i'd rather have because they got yeah go ahead they got special plays well i don't know necessarily about special plays um I don't know. I, I think some. I, I'm trying. I'm struggling with intellectually what the difference would be to your point, right? Like what 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 would be the difference between five teams having the Green Bay playbook and five teams having the running gun playbook? You think there are special plays and and the team specific books? Yeah, because that's what I was getting ready to say. Because certain 
certain they have certain uh, packages in the playbooks that aren't in all playbooks. But like even because I used the the running gun a couple times. Okay. And granted, it's still like the same kind of playbook, but it also has like some unique plays in in the playbook too. So then I don't know. It, it kind of seems like a wash. Yeah. But I get the whole like having like five views with Green Bay playbook. Like, nah, we gotta kind of break this up. But in the same, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a rabbit hole. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And and I like I said, I don't know what the answer is. I was just offering some shit. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I I think the idea, right? Maybe we put a playbook committee together and try to figure this shit out. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but something can be done uh, just about playbooks in general to make it so that we have a more real- realistic representation of, you know, a, a more sim-like version of things um, because all of us can't have the same offensive coordinator. Interesting stuff. Like, that's funny you say that because I'm kind of getting tired of my playbook and I see, like, other teams with it. Yeah. And then when it kind of make me want to switch, but it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know? Yeah. And I mean, for me, like, I'm, I've, I've sort of grown to love Arizona's playbook and I'm kind of territorial about it. Uh, so I feel like, man, I, I'm the only one that should have access to Cliff Kingsbury, bro. Uh, like, yeah. I see Prue running it. And I've actually learned a couple of things. Shout out to Prue. I've learned a couple of things just about the playbook from watching Prue play. Uh, he ran some, uh, he runs some schemes that I, I really don't pay attention to just because I don't run the same uh, kind of, I guess, vertical offense that uh, he he does, or at least in the game that I watched that he did. And I'm like, oh, that play is nice. Let me, let me go check that out. Uh, right. So, I mean, ah, I don't know. Like, but I'm, but I'm still territorial about it. Like, I don't want to see six other teams with the Arizona playbook. Then I, I'm going to have to switch. Uh, oh, you in a rude awakening? <laughs> because the last time I checked, I it was the way, huh? Bro, I seen. I think two other teams have the offense. Only like three teams got the defensive playbook. Damn, man, see, they, <laughs> let me have my thing, man. But it's crazy because in that, like, even from that comment that you just said, like, pre utilizing that joint, you didn't even know, you know? Yeah. So I mean, in a sense, it's, there's some nuances that are a little different. Yeah. And you can use it differently than the other person. You know? Yeah, then there's value to the to the point that we need variety or diversity in uh, playbooks. Uh, I, I think your point is that two different users can use the same playbook and use it completely differently, and that satisfies the variety or diversity sort of need. Because right. it, it made me think about, like, I, I see, because I was getting ready to go back to Tennessee's book, but I was just like, I don't know if this is good for Ken, but I know how I did from my ring game. Mm. And I'm just thinking, like, how will Moji have success with that when he likes throwing the ball? Granted, it's some decent passing plays in there, but I'm like, I don't see this as your playbook. You know what I mean? Right. But with Malik taking it, I'm like, okay, this absolutely makes sense because you have, like, that average quarterback, which you have Christian McCaffrey, who could benefit from the playbook. Yeah, because it's running back feature heavy. Yeah, like, I ran for 2,000 yards with that playbook. <laughs> Lit. But yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, conversation. Yeah, I think it's a debate that that deserves some more attention in the league. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't proclaim to have the answers. I just think we should discuss it more 
uh, until we have a solution other than what we have now. And maybe now, maybe what we have now is not an actual problem. Maybe we're making a mountain out of a molehill, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. All right, that's all you got? That's it for me. Hey, man, I got something for you. Let me ask you this question. Uh, <laughs> have you seen Kevin Bayard's stats? Uh, I haven't. Wait, look, look, do I need to bring up Daddy League? Let me see. Yeah, please, uh, please. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you're, you're curious, huh? What, what team is Kevin Bayard on currently? The Tennessee Titans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's see. Yeah. Through, through two games, Mr. Bayard. Is he eating out here? No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, uh, attributes. I'm sorry, I said stats. I'm not attributes. Oh, so. oh, okay. Uh, Kevin Byard is a 94 overall. He is 29 years of age. He is signed for three more years. His speed is a 90. His acceleration uh-huh. is an 89. His zone coverage is 95. His tackle is 84. His pursuit is 92. His play recognition is 85. His man coverage is 78, which is better than a lot of corners. And his hit power is 79. Which is this? Uh, he's an X Factor. I don't know what his uh, his X Factor ability is. You want to? Well, I can check that too, can I? I was gonna say you want to fill us in, but Mr. Uh, hold on. Uh, I thought this was the one that told me it's not. Oh, it's on the profile. It's not on the traits. We ain't gotta get into all that. No, 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 no. You uh, asked. You asked. Yeah, I got right, an answer. Right, hold on. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you the man doing the research. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let, let me see. And, and clearly, uh, Red Zone, this is going someplace. Let, let, let's see what Mr. Rock got for us and, and Kevin Byard. Um, and in and, and case it matters, it says his trade worth is a mid first round pick. Okay. Yeah, that I was getting to that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you say mid, what range is that? Uh, mid to me means between 12 and 20. Oh, okay. Okay. Just curious. Daddy Lee's wants to stop loading now. He won't show me what his uh, what his X Factor abilities are. So I'll leave those to you. But which, which, what's up with Kevin Byer, bro? I think his one is like Deep Zone KO or something like That's that. That's it. Oh, we finally loaded. Let me see. Zone Hawk. Zone Hawk okay. defenders lock down a part of the field when they enter the zone. This ability increases the rate of catch knockouts and interceptions while in zone. Pick artists. Defenders with this ability have higher chance to catch uncontested interceptions, and they have unlimited stamina on the return until using a special move or breaking a tackle. And then we have deep end zone KO. Defenders with this ability force more catch knockouts and react quicker in deep zone coverage, 20 plus yards from the line of scrimmage and inside the numbers. So the middle of the field is his deep middle. If you're playing single high, basically it's gonna be hard for you to complete a ball. Kevin Byers there. Okay, now now one would be crazy to trade Mr. Bayard, correct? Uh, well, I wouldn't say crazy, but at 29 with three years left, I mean, I would probably wait a season or two before I try to let him go. Interesting. And, and why do you ask? Well, because I offered him, right? Ooh. And in exchange, it was for uh, 15 oh, first round pick. That's not right? like a mid first round pick to me. What happened? It got declined. Oh, so the trade committee said that Kevin Byer wasn't worth a mid first. Yeah, that's lit. Uh, I, I don't. 
I don't have an explanation, bro. What's up, the trade committee, bro? Man, I don't know. And it's like, I don't want to throw something on the trade committee, but it, it can only be two things. All right. He didn't submit the trade, or he didn't submit the trade. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only, that's, thing, that's I the only thing I was going to say. Are there, are, do we have any comparable deals? Uh, I know when I was on the trade committee, there was a trade log that was kept. I don't know if they still do that. And I don't know if they ever share it or post it. It'd be nice if they did. Trade committee, if you're listening, you should do that. Uh, if there is one, it should be publicly shared and posted uh, so that everybody can see for the sake of transparency. Um, but I would like to know if, one, it was ever submitted. And two, if it was submitted, what was the reasoning for its denial? Because I can't see one. Mr. Byard should certainly be traded for a first-round pick. Um, I guess uh, Amari Cooper would be a comparable trade recently. He just went for a, he went for Michael Pittman and I believe a first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if Amari Cooper is worth Michael Pittman and a first, then Kevin Byard is certainly worth pick 15. But yeah, even on top of that, because you know, I reached out, you know, I did my little research so I, I reached out to the cowboys on there and i said hey you know out of curiosity what was the the offer that was declined for lve mm. and he was saying it was pick number four so i'm like okay granted hell yeah i can see why that's denied. yeah pick four is wild. right <laughs> that's that's wild as hell but mid 15 like for Bayard, who's a superstar, but then Carson Wentz oh, no, no, no. for what? X Factor, not superstar. Well, quarterbacks, no. I mean, qu- quarterbacks, right? You you can't compare Wentz and Bayard. Man, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> he got a haul. Yeah, I mean, and but rightfully so. You look at franchise quarterbacks yeah. getting moved, then they, they, they are supposed to go for hauls. I think the, uh, the sort of gravity, if you will, of the trade, is that it was with went I mean with Glenn who has historically picked at the top of the draft. So not only are there multiple first round picks, but they're expected to be multiple top five first round picks, which is That's which wild. is the issue. Uh, but a quarterbacks and safeties are different. So, but I, again, um, I, I'm very interested in the reasoning for uh, why why Byard why the Byard trade would be denied, uh, especially in light of the Amari Cooper trade. So. But in a sense, I'm kind of glad he's still here. You know? Yeah, I mean, you're not mad about having a 94 overall. Uh, X-Fan yeah, you know. still trolls in the middle of the field. Yeah, no but doubt. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so what needs attention? Yeah. That the trade committee needs to be more transparent or uh, yeah. guys need to be more transparent or, and, 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 and committed to the deals that they make? Or both? All yeah, I was going to say. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> About all of the yeah. above, because I don't get it. Somebody help I've me. I've been shy about pulling the trigger, uh, so I don't, I don't want to pull the trigger unless I'm absolutely sure on the trade. Uh, so I'd had numerous discussions with folks about Hopkins, and ultimately, I mean, I got deals that I think would have been plus deals. I think I deals that I would have come out on top in, but. I just like DeAndre Hopkins. I didn't want the remorse of having traded him uh, while he's still, you know, not regressing and as good as he is, despite the fact that long term is probably a better proposition for me uh, to get rid of him. But uh, I just, I'm, I'm just emotionally attached to the guy to the point that I don't want the remorse. So had I traded him, then I'd feel bad and I'd be like, no, never mind. I don't want to do it. So my point is that don't, don't, don't commit to a trade unless you're absolutely committed to it. So. Yeah. But I just know trades like that just kind of like ruin the rest of the uh, 
your whole plan that you got because I had a whole plan going into it and it's just like nah that don't work you mean making the deal and then having it fall through yeah yeah it like kind of mess up everything you like back to the yeah it's deflating for sure especially in the short off season uh, where we only got we only have 24 hours total and if you spend say two or three of those hours waiting for a decision on the trade or even more and then the trade comes back and it's denied and now maybe you uh, we've we've advanced through a stage of free agency uh, and you've lost out on things that you were expecting to do because the trade didn't get vetted in time or whatever happened then yeah it's tough yeah but it is with the test <laughs> But that's what I felt like needed attention, yeah. man. That's all you that's got. All, I got. all right, so we're gonna close it out with want want. Jumping into want want. You got want want. You go first this time, man. Uh, give me, give me a second to think about mine. Oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> man, my want one. If one thing about me, I hate. I hate it. It kind of boils me when, uh, I, I guess you could say like a person will give you feedback on something, but then hasn't really did the research or listened to it mm. how can you give me let's say this pod for instance don't give me a great pod to then let me see that you didn't even <laughs> listen to the whole thing like <laughs> I'm not giving you this for your consumption for you to just validate me like right. this is my shit I know it's good right. you feel me like right. I want you to listen so we have some dialogue. You know what I mean? Right. And then when that's like overlooked, it's like, what's, what's the point of giving me a good good part? Hey, brother, that's I, I I think that's a hell of a point. Like we not we're not doing this for attaboys or pats on the back. So we don't need you to fake tell us good part. You know? <laughs> like if, if you didn't listen, then that's perfectly okay. Like that's all right. We don't need you to act like you did. Uh, but if you listen and you fuck with it, I mean, then that's cool too. Like that that's part of the point. Yeah. But but don't don't be fake about it, I guess is the point. Yeah, bro, make my, my, my makes my blood boil. Like one thing, like just keep it funky with me. You keep it real with me, I get to choose to decide how I want to deal with you. Yeah. When you start moving how you move, it's kind of like, ah, uh, God, look at you differently. I but, hey, that's yeah, what I want. I'd rather have a, like, bro, that part was trash, and you can tell me, I mean, you listen to the whole thing, right? Then a, a bro, good part, you listen to three minutes. Yeah. yeah. Disrespectful, in my opinion. <laughs> maybe just the artist in me, the sensitive about my shit. You feel me? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. Yeah, but and if you told me good pod, you ain't listening. You, you get womps on the pod, on said pod. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. What you got? What you I got? Ah, I didn't. You know. I mean, my mind's been in a space where I try not to find fault in people now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess this is... I don't, and I don't want to cop either. I don't want to cop out and not give somebody a want. Uh, 
And I don't want to give out warmth for people that need attention either. So I ain't going to do that. If, if you're doing shit for attention, and, and you, you, I, I can't rightfully give you a warmth. But you need a platter. Yeah. And that's for another time. But for warmth, let me see. Mm. All right, yesterday, I don't know if anybody saw the, the thing that, so Metal... Metal tweeted <laughs> about how respectful everything had been in the AFC South up until last night. Uh, and then Jake clarified what happened. And there was a play where Jake on defense adjusted his uh, secondary to uh, look like they were playing a, a more press man look. And so one corner had come from the other side of the field to the other. And it took a little bit of time. Uh, however, uh, well, and, and Meadow felt like you know, he was waiting for Jake to finish adjusting before he snapped the ball. And so Meadow ended up getting a delay of game penalty. However, uh, after Jake finished adjusting metal still had a full second maybe two to actually snap the ball but what he did was try and call an audible instead and metal expected that jake would have uh declined the penalty and i just uh, i guess it's deserving of a want because um we we are all number one competitive people in a competitive league and the uh, sort of hand of um, sort of the, the gracious hand only extends so far and beyond that right so even if it weren't the case that Meadow tried to audible with one second left and, and Jake accepted the delay game like even if uh, Meadow was just waiting for Jake and, and Jake still decided to accept the penalty. That would be fine, in my opinion. And and trying to hold, trying to hold people to account for uh, not treating you the way you would have, the, you know, not going the extra mile that you feel like you would have gone. Uh, I think is deserving of a warm. Uh, but uh, also a shout out to the folks who uh, like Cad, right? In our game in the playoffs, I declined a pass interference penalty, and he paused the game to make sure that I meant to do that, which is dope. But and and <laughs> I played Ernest at the I want to say the end of the regular season, but it was late in the season. And he declined a holding penalty after I got in the first down on the one yard line. And I didn't think twice about that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did not think about pausing the game and saying, "Hey, did you mean to do that?" Now fuck that. You made the mistake and pressed the button. That's that's a coaching error on your behalf. I don't have any. Uh, responsibility to try and make sure you did the right thing like not nah. like I uh, the the level of uh, again graciousness I guess only extends so far because again this is a competition where it's not our responsibility as competitors to try and make up for the mistake that you made on your behalf right uh, and and nobody's going to complain about like Jake said like if Meadow had snapped the ball with one second left on the play clock there would not have been a leg for Jake to stand on to say, hey, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was in the middle of uh, you know, adjusting my defense and you snapped. I said, well, no shit. It was one second left on the play clock. You, 
it's your job to adjust your defense before there's one second, not mine to wait for you in that case. So uh, my, my want goes to uh, people sort of expecting that you're going to get some kind of gracious behavior in a competitive environment when you aren't deserving of such according to any uh, rules for decorum or um, any, any rule in general. So that, that's my want. It turned into a long one, actually, but I, I didn't even have one until a few seconds. <laughs> it's all good, but it's crazy because we were actually talking about that when we discussed one of the games that he had told me, and I was just like, oh, damn, that's crazy. But um, you know what's crazy? Like after listening to all of this shit, like karma is a bitch. Mm. Uh, somebody else actually, yeah, wasn't he the one who snapped it on somebody who was in field goal block last cycle? The answer is yes. That's crazy. To put the game away. I forgot all about that. Like, right? I mean, so and, and maybe and, and maybe it's the case that he felt you know, like his behavior changed because of that incident, right? Yeah. Uh. And it's like, okay. Okay. So like, you can't fault to me either because he's done that. And it's like... Yeah. None of this happens in a vacuum. Right. And that, that's understandable. But still. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Hey, man. Closing it out. That's all you got? That's all I got. Hey, appreciate uh, real you, quick. Appreciate yeah. you, Rob. Yeah, appreciate you, guys. Um... Man, two things. Uh, shout out to Adele. Adele and Glenn. They uh, jumped the broom. Oh, absolutely. Congrats on the nuptials. Uh, for the for the newlyweds, uh, I'm, I'm not going to make any jokes about Adele's lack of availability since he's been <laughs> since he's been hitched. It's, it's expected. And even, uh, I'd be sort of, I don't want to say upset, um, but I'd be questioning you know, things, if he were more available than before he got married. Like, he made a commitment to this woman for his life, and so his responsibility is to her first, uh, as it should be. So, uh, that's not even to say anything of whether or not, you know, his lack of presence has anything to do with his, the fact that he's married, but congratulations on the, the jump. That's a, it's an important one, and uh, yeah, man, that's a, that's a good look uh, from you on that. Yeah, for sure. Best of, best of luck on you guys' journey, man. Yeah. <laughs> Got any marital advice? <laughs> you know, we, we do parental advice all the time. You say you're, you're I, bro, I think you're, you're, we won't go into specifics, but you're certainly qualified if you want to just share a nugget or, or two about maybe how you think things should go. Man, alright, so I think my, my my one thing is, man, don't lose sight of why you are in it. I think that's the biggest thing that I can say. And don't forget about each other, man. It's so hard to get, you know, forget about why you, you two have chosen to take a vow to one another. You know what I mean? Absolutely. With everything going on in the world, I feel like you you have to always make sure that it comes first you know what I mean because it's like like they say it's like a happy union you know you're able to do anything you know what I mean so it's a powerful thing yeah that's my thing that's what I got what about you advice yeah do what you said you were gonna do that's it hey that was simple yeah <laughs> And, and I mean that, bro. Like, if, if you said you're going to do, I mean, what, whether it be taking out the trash or, you know, fixing some shit in the house or 
you know, caring for her in the way that you promised you would in your vows. Like, do what you said you were going to do. And, and I think nine times out of ten, that'll work out for you. For sure. Look at that. Dang. Yeah, we, we didn't, we didn't uh, sort of unlock the new level on the ramp, man. Pod, bro. Hey, bro, we probably can start getting to these topics, man. Yeah. We've been talking about everything on this mug now. For sure. Hey, but I ain't gonna hold you. You got a game to play. Yeah. Good luck. Appreciate it. Get the dub. We'll see. Try. We'll try to keep Ram Fam ahead of uh, what would we call them? Uh, their their faction, Ascast. <laughs> okay. <Hey. laughs> okay. Uh, let's go.